Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Recalibrating the Scales. I'm your host and Chief Executive Resolutionist, Normia Vasquez-Scales, at your disposal. vacancy versus bankruptcy, illuminating the availability light. Welcome back yet again, ladies and gentlemen, to another sprightly new episode. In light of personal encounters coupled with recurring conversations as of late, I've been inspired to explore the aforementioned topic regarding emotional availability. So let's delve into the thick of this topic without further ado regarding Shared findings. Say you've dated someone for about six months, and this is a shared finding titled What It Really Means to Be Emotionally Unavailable, and it's written by Crystal Ray Paul, medically reviewed by Dr. Timothy J. Legg. So again, say you've dated someone, per the, in the, per the words of the author, this is abridged, of course, my dear listeners, you dated someone for about six months. You have plenty in common. A barrage of commonalities, pardon me. Not to mention great sexual chemistry, but something seems a little off. Maybe, perhaps, they shy away from conversations about emotional experiences, or they chatter a lot. They talk a lot about their lives and interests, but never ask about your hobbies. So this apparent lack of investment can make you wonder if they even like you. We've all been there at one stage or phase or juncture or another. So, but your involvement, whether it's a relationship or something more casual, continues, it it resumes. So So you reason they must have feelings for you. The good news is that they probably do. The unfortunate news is that they might be emotionally unavailable. So emotional availability as described by the author, describes the ability to, to, to sustain emotional bonds and relationships. So here's a defi- there's the, there, there lies the definition. Since it's pretty much impossible to have a healthy relationship without an emotional connection, emotionally unavailable people tend to struggle in relationships, of course, often preferring to date casually and keep some distance. So what makes a partner emotionally unavailable? So recognizing emotional unavailability can be tricky. So many emotionally unavailable people have a knack for making you feel great about yourself and hopeful about the future of your relationship. But if after an encouraging start, you never connect more intimately, they may not be able to maintain anything beyond casual involvement at that moment. So the signs, here lie in the signs, uh, as cited, can help you recognize emotionally unavailability in a partner 
or potential romantic interest. So number one is they don't like making plans. Emotionally unavailable people often show less inclination to make commitments, whether or not these commitments are minor or more significant. Perhaps you suggest getting together next week. They agree enthusiastically, so you ask what day works for them. And they respond, oh, let me check and get back to you. They say, they say that to you, but they never hear back. You never hear back. Or perhaps they'll say, I'll pencil that in, but when the time comes, they have a great excuse for why they can't make it. Number two is they call the shots. When you do see each other, they tend to choose what you do. Usually an activity that aligns with their typical routine. They might put on the latest episode of their favorite Netflix show, even though you've never seen it. Or perhaps they even ask you to help them around the house. They, this doesn't necessarily mean there's a problem, especially if they seem receptive to your suggestions. But if they never ask what you like to do or seem irritated when you don't want to go along with their plan, it may be time to take a closer look at the relationship. You do all of the relationship work. This is number three. Can't remember the last time they sent a text that wasn't a direct reply. Feel a little frustrated. They've never set up a date or initiated any plans. Uh, if you do all the calling, texting, planning, there's a good chance they're emotionally unavailable per the author. They enjoy spending time with you, certainly, when it works for them, but they don't want, want to work for it. So if you don't make things happen, they probably won't. When you aren't spending time together, you rarely hear from them. Perhaps they take days to reply to messages or ignore some messages entirely, especially the meaningful ones. They may say, I'd rather talk about important things in person, which sounds great, of course, until they, until they don't follow up. They avoid the word relationship. Emotional unavailability can involve commitment and intimacy fears. You might participate in relationship behaviors with someone, go on dates, spend the night together, meet one another's friends, but they don't want to discuss having an official relationship. As long as you keep dating casually, things go pretty well. But when you try to build a deeper commitment, they withdraw. Usually, use caution if someone you're seeing, A, says they want to keep things casual, B, talk. they discuss a lot about a recent ex, C, talk about unrequited feelings for a friend, or D, say they say they have a fear of commitment. It's always possible. He caught them at a time when they feel ready to work toward change. Usually though, someone who says these things means them. Another indication is that you never seem to grow closer. In the beginning of the relationship, they all openly share vulnerabilities or say how much they enjoy spending time together, but things never get serious. It's tempting to try to make things work with someone who seems distant. You might believe they just need to find the right person if you could reach them when no one else can. Your relationship has the potential to last, right? You just have to try a little harder. This is how emotional unavailability can trap you. Unless they do some work themselves, you'll continue investing energy into the, into the relationship with the goal of someday getting closer. Meanwhile, they'll keep avoiding reciprocation, so you'll drain yourself until you're too emotionally exhausted to continue. Another indication is that they reflect your feelings instead of offering their own. Pay attention to how someone responds when you share emotions. Do they express their feelings uniquely or do they mirror back 
what you say with I feel the same way. Not everyone likes to talk about emotions all the time, but in a relationship, it's an important, it's imperative to connect on an, on an emotional level. If your partner can't open up, even when you initiate a conversation and ask direct questions, they may be emotionally unavailable, ladies and gentlemen. They show up late or blow off plans. So not keeping commitments or consistently showing up late is a subtle way to keep someone at a distance. Your partner might still care and even apologize with sincerity, but they may care more about what they want and have trouble structuring their life to fit you in. In other words, they're not ready to prioritize relationship needs over their, over their own needs. Question, could I be the emotionally unavailable one? Maybe some of, some of the above signs resonate with you as traits you've noticed in yourself or things past partners have pointed out to you. Emotional unavailability doesn't mean you've done something wrong. You may not fully realize how it shows up in your relationships. Here are some signs to keep in mind. When commitments approach, you want to back out. Last week, you made plans for a date tomorrow. You felt excited then, but now giving up your free time is the last thing you want to do. It's important to take enough time for yourself if you end up canceling plans with your partner more often than not. However, ask yourself why you feel the need to avoid spending too much time together. Here's another, you operate by keeping your options open. If you want to commit a relationship at some point, you'll need to focus on one partner or in a non-monogamous relationship, your primary partner. But instead of having a discussion with your current partner about relationship goals like long-term commitment or ex exclusivity, you continue swiping, going on dates, and generally keeping your eyes open for greener pastures. You might not want to settle for someone who isn't exactly right, but this mindset can limit your ability to dedicate time and energy to someone you already care for. It's not always possible to find a quote, perfect match but you can still have a great relationship with someone who falls a little short of complete perfection. Another is you worry about losing yourself in a relationship. It's If you're fiercely independent, you might worry getting closer to a romantic partner will involve losing that independence. Maybe you like to do things your way on your schedule and don't want to change your life to fit someone else's. There's nothing wrong with that, but it can make you less available. In a healthy relationship, Partners balance individual needs with their romantic commitment. It may take some time and exploration to learn how to do this in a way that feels right for you. Another, trust doesn't come easily to you. If someone betrayed your trust in the past, you might avoid expo exposing your vulnerabilities to anyone else. You might prefer to keep your emotions and thoughts locked down so no one can use them against you. When a partner urges you to open up, and discuss how you're feeling, you respond by shutting down or changing the subject. Here's another. You keep ending up with emotionally unavailable people. If you have a pattern of relationships with emotionally distant partners, consider whether you're getting back what you're putting out. Reciprocity. At first, it might seem easy and fun to date people who don't ask a lot of you emotionally. But if deep down you really want more from a relationship, these flings won't fulfill you for very long. So where does it come from? A number of factors can contribute to emotional unavailability. It's not uncommon to find more than one cause at the heart of this issue. Attachment issues is, a, is another indication. 
Childhood attachment to primary caregivers can play a significant part in emotional unavailability. If your caregivers didn't show interest in your feelings or offer much affection and support, you may have absorbed this as a relationship model. So as an adult, your attachment to romantic partners might follow this pattern and tend to, to towards avoidance temporary circumstances. So emotional unavailability can also happen temporarily. Many people living with mental health conditions like depression may have a hard time sustaining an emotional connection with their loved ones during a flare-up. Others might want to focus on their career, a friend having difficulties, or something else unexpected. Breakup grief, that's another. Experiencing relationship pain can make it tough to become vulnerable with a new partner. This is especially true if if you're recovering from unpleasant breakups, infidelity, unrequited feelings, relationship toxicity or abuse. Any of these, I mean any of these, can contribute to feelings of low self-esteem, per the author, which can make it even more difficult to experience and share intimacy. The next steps. Emotional unavailability doesn't have to be permanent. It's a complex issue. And some underlying causes may be harder to overcome than others. So change only happens when someone is willing to work at creating it. So you can't, you can't make an emotionally unavailable partner more available. What you can do is bring up concerning behaviors and point out compassionately how they affect your relationship. Encourage them to talk to a therapist or offer offer to go to couples counseling together. In the meantime, offer encouragement and support when they show up. If you're trying to become more emotionally available yourself, here here are um, some tips here. Identifying the cause. Explore the root issues. Exploring the root issues, pardon me, can give you insight on how to deal with emotional unavailability. If you've undergone a nasty relationship or breakup, for example, you may just need some more time before trying to get close to someone again. But if someone more serious like childhood, something more serious like childhood neglect affects your ability to get closer to others, it's wise to discuss this with a therapist. Coping with the effects of trauma or abuse generally requires professional support. It's often helpful to get more comfortable expressing emotions on your own before trying to share them with a a romantic partner. So practice opening up is another one. To do this, consider these ideas. Keep a journal of your feelings. Use art or music to practice emotional expression. Talk to trusted people like close friends or family members about emotions. Share emotional issues or vulnerabilities via text first. Take it slow, that's another. Once you realize you've been emotionally distant, you might want to begin changing that immediately. Overnight improvement is not realistic though. True, vulnerability takes time. Pushing yourself to open up before you're ready can sometimes trigger distress or discomfort. So work on small changes instead. It's good to push yourself to step out of your comfort zone, get out of your own way. But you don't need to leave it completely in the dust. Involve your partner. Another suggestion, as you explore factors contributing to emotional unavailability and work on becoming more available, communicate with your partner about what you learned. If they understand why you pull away, you may have an easier time in listening their support. 
So explore helpful strategies together, such as sharing emotions by leaving notes for each other, staying connected via text when, when you need physical space, spend time with people in healthy relationships. When emotional unavailability stems from attachment issues or unhealthy relationship patterns, it can help to learn more about what healthy relationships look like. One way to study healthy relationships involves time and field. Think of friends or family members in strong, long-term relationships, ideally people you spend a good amount of time with. Pay attention to how they interact with their partners. This won't give you a full picture, but it can provide some insight. Talk to a therapist. Emotional unavailability isn't always something you can work through alone, and that's okay. If you continue having trouble with emotional vulnerability and feel distressed about the difficulties it causes in your relationships, a therapist can offer guidance and support. In therapy, you can work to identify potential causes and take steps to break unhelpful relationship patterns. If you're already in a relationship, couples counseling can also bring a lot of benefit. The bottom line, emotional unavailability on either side can cause a lot of frustration and distress, but it doesn't mean you have to give up on your relationship. Talking to your partner or taking a closer look at your own behaviors can help you start identifying possible issues and working through them productively. Patience, communication, and support from a therapist can help, especially if you don't seem to be getting anywhere on your own. There you have it. And that's on Helpline, ladies and gentlemen. So let's explore some additional signs. This is hackspirit.com. The author's Kieran Athar, 10 Signs an Emotionally Unavailable Man Has Fallen in Love. Okay. When it comes to emotionally unavailable men, there are plenty of stories out there. Again, as an aside, this is by and large what inspired me specifically to feature this episode. When I was when had actually been the question had actually been posed from a male counterpart counterpart to myself if I deemed myself to be emotionally available. My response was yes. So, resuming. So when it comes to emotionally unavailable men, there are plenty of stories out there to put you off ever considering a relationship with a man like that. They're distant, fearful of commitment, and often unable to form deep connections. But is this always the case? Aren't they human just like the rest of us? The truth is, they've probably gone through something traumatic in their past, which has shaped them into being this way. They avoid being vulnerable vulnerable or emotionally intimate with women, but sometimes as a way to protect themselves rather than to intentionally hurt her feelings. So you might be wondering, how does a guy who's emotionally unavailable act when he's in love? Is it even possible for them to fall in love? The answer is yes. They can fall in love, but it can be tricky to spot their love signals. Read on to find out what signs to look for if you suspect your guy has fallen for you. And tips on how to make an emotionally unavailable guy fall in love. So here are the 10 signs that an emotionally unavailable man has fallen in love with you. Ladies, normal relationships are tough enough to work out, so it's understandable if you're confused about how an emotionally unavailable guy feels towards you. So here are the 10 important signs to look out for that an emotionally unavailable guy has fallen in love. Number one is he begins to slowly open up to you. 
For an emotionally unavailable man, opening up to someone new can feel nerve-wracking and uncomfortable. To let you into his life, he's going against his natural defense instincts of keeping people at bay. Opening up to you can be in the form of showing you or talking to you about his personal life. He might start opening up about his feelings towards you. This might not seem like a big deal. But to someone who struggles with sharing deeply personal feelings with people, it's an important step in letting their new partner in. He's protective of you. Protectiveness is an obvious sign that you have feelings for someone. It's also quite a scary, strong emotion to feel because it can give you a feeling of responsibility to take care of them. In healthy amounts, being protective and caring of your partner shows that their health, safety, and, and happiness matters to you. For an emotionally unavailable man, showing that you care about someone by protecting them can be easier than expressing it. Protecting a woman is also a telltale sign that his hero instinct has been triggered. If you don't know what the hero instinct is, it's a new concept in relationship psychology that explains why emotionally unavailable men can commit completely to a relationship. The concept was joined by James Bauer, a relationship psychologist and best-selling author. He has a video, an accompanying video, which explains exactly what the hero instinct is all about. So the best part of the hero instinct is that you can trigger it in your emotionally unavailable men. In his video, James Bauer outlines several things you can do. He said he reveals phrases, texts, and little requests that you can use right now to trigger this very natural male instinct. Some ideas are life-changing, and when it comes to being in a relationship with an emotionally unavailable man, this is one of them. Number three, he lets you in on his past. For an emotionally unavailable man, his past experiences contribute to why he can't commit or open up to people. Letting someone in on all this personal information would probably, probably bring up uncomfortable questions which he doesn't want to discuss. Opening up about his private past could be a sign that he's willing to let go of his old baggage and take a step forward with you. It could also be his way of helping you understand why he is the way he is. Whatever his reason is, the fact that he's open, opened up to you shows that he trusts you. Here's a quiz. Is your man pulling away or is he committed to your relationship? Take our, there's a new, is he pulling away quiz and get a real, or you can get a, an authentic answer. Number four is he wants change. If you have been dating an emotionally unavailable man and you're wondering if he's in love with you, this could be a very telling sign. Maybe you've spoken about his issues with, with his emotions or about why he behaves the way he does. It can be very difficult for people, people to work through their past traumas and come to terms with who they really are. If he's willing to try to make it to make your relationship work by focusing on his own issues, it's a great sign of commitment. He begins expressing emotions. There's a reason why he's emotionally unavailable. Maybe he had an attachment uh, had attachment issues as a, as a child, or he's been through a particularly tough breakup in the past. Either way, expressing his emotions can be tough. It's not that he doesn't feel them, but verbally expressing his feelings towards you means making himself vulnerable, as we've already established. If he has 
begun expressing his emotions, it's a sign that he's he has genuine feelings. And he's willing to put himself out on the line for you. Did you know that another reason why men can be emotionally unavailable is biology? Male and female brains are different. For instance, the limbic system is the emotional processing center of the brain and it's much larger in the female brain than in the man's. That's why men, women, pardon me, are more in touch with their emotions and why men can struggle to process their feelings and communicate in a healthy way with their partner. Here's a video which accompanies this. So Michael Fiore reveals what you need to make your man commit to a passionate relationship. His techniques work surprisingly well on even the coldest and most commitment-phobic men. If you want science-based techniques to make a man fall in love with you and stay in love with you forever, then, they re then the author recommends viewing the video. Number six, he starts to see a future with you. A common trait of emotionally un unavailable men is to avoid commitment. He's a guy who usually has short-term relationships or friends with benefits. It's important that you don't push these types of conversations. Okay, very important. So, you, it, it would behoove of you, it may make him back off, especially if he's not ready to unearth the conversation. But if a guy has fallen in love with you, you won't be able to help imagining what it would be like to have you around in the future. So look for hints or casual remarks that he drops in the conversation about plans. Keyword, plans for the future. Seven, your opinion matters to him. A part of an emotionally unavailable man's defense mechanism is to want to be in control. They'll make their own decisions and, and do only what they feel comfortable with. If he starts to involve you more in decision-making and he values your opinion and advice, it could be a sign that he's falling in love with you. Being in a loving relationship means allowing another person into your world and vice versa. For him to let you have an opinion or, or say so in his life is a major step and not one which he would like to take lightly. Number eight, his words start matching his actions. Most of us have come across someone who knew all the right things to say, but they could never follow through with, with their actions. This behavior can also happen with men who are emotionally unavailable as they want to keep you around but don't want to commit to being in a healthy, stable relationship. You know the type. They say they'll call and then they don't, but they always have a great excuse for why they didn't. Or maybe you make plans and, and they cancel at the last minute. If a guy does start to follow through with what he says he'll do, he clearly states cares about you and wants to be the stable partner that you need. Cynthia Catchings, a therapist from Talkspace, explains why following through is important in a relationship. Consistency is a combination of behaviors that include dependability, trust, and a true desire to have a companion and form a serious relationship. Number nine is he's not afraid to introduce you to his friends. 
Relationships can often feel more real when you meet your partner's family and friends and the relationship is out in the open. There are a few reasons why an emotionally unavailable man might avoid introducing you to his friends or family. Maybe he doesn't want you to find out about his past relationships or experiences. Or he doesn't want you getting close with his friends and loved ones. If his family and friends really like you and encourage the relationship, it puts more pressure on him. If he does want you to meet his loved ones, take it as a sign that he sees you as an important person in his life. Okay? Number 10. Your relationship becomes more emotional than physical. In the beginning of a relationship with an emotionally unavailable man, it can often feel like it's mainly about sex. Although it's usually a fun and exciting time in the relationship as you're both getting to know one another, you might find that he often talks about emotions. Being physical instead of emotionally intimate is his way of keeping you at arms at arm's length and stops him from forming an emotional attachment to you. If he does begin being more emotionally affectionate, it's a good sign that he's fallen in love with you. He might do it without, without even realizing it, but his feelings for you will make him see you as more than just a partner to have fun with. Mm. Voila, 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 voila. and loaded read, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let's see if we could segue into a little more. I'd like to close out this episode. Um, hopefully you're extracting um, the pulp of this episode. But I don't want to lead us out until I at least reference 48 ideas for increasing emotional availability. And this is in anyone, regardless of gender. And breaking harmful relationship patterns. Okay. So 48 ideas for increasing emotional availability and breaking harmful relationship patterns. Whatever it is that's brought you to baggage reclaim and got you exploring the subject of emotional unavailability and emotional baggage, if you want your circumstances to change and for you to, to break your pattern, you will need to become more emotionally available. Okay? So a frequent question, how do I become more emotionally available and how do I start to break my pattern? So the author is assuming that you have empathy or certainly the ability to develop it. Some people don't and are highly unlikely to be reading this. So what the authors listed are some suggestions for what to do now that you, we are all of us aware of this issue. And all about, we're all, we all are about taking action. Some will involve you doing some research to find out more or to explore options for professional support. There's no magical solution, so they offer. So 
what they offer, okay? They offer you nothing that is going to be the equivalent of being at one of these sermons, those sermons where the person leaps out of their wheelchair and declares, I can walk. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, nobody can make you spontaneously combust into an emotionally available, pardon me, emotionally available, a available person. You have to do all the work. And yes, before anyone asks, the author says that they've done everything on the list over the past dozen years, the past 12 years. So here we go. Number one, which emotions do you try to avoid or shut out? It might surprise you to know that there's more than fear, anger, hurt, and happy. Okay? So, all right. Lots of shutting down cases causes numbness or even deadness. In a nutshell, so here's how emotional emotional unavailability works versus emotional availability. When you don't feel a range of emotions, you act as if you have a switchboard where you can turn off the ones you don't feel like feeling. In actuality, there's one switch for all emotions. So if you switch off what you think is one or a few, you're affecting the circuitry to them all. Makes sense. Limiting your ability to feel even the most joyous of, of emotions. It also confuses your, emo your emotions because avoiding some intensifies others. While some get misinterpreted. It's this reason why. It's this reason why, okay? Uh, the author here is so many people who don't know the difference between fear caused by underlying familiarity with the pattern and attraction. So you've got to feel to heal. I like that. Keep a feelings diary. That's another recommendation. So your emotions are there to help you not hinder you. If you consistently have a sense of how you're feeling, not only do you become more conscious, aware, and present, but you become you're not to become overwhelmed by suppressed and repressed emotions. Number three, work out your patterns. Write down a list of the positive and negative traits of past partners and do the same for family members and anyone significant from the childhood. Four, arrange to see a therapist with the aim of helping you to heal from your past. Work with someone who encourages you to, to talk and take, and take action. Okay. Or you can look at alternative options, therapy options, if you're open to it. Okay. So, another is identify your relationship character. Who do you become when you're attracted to someone or you begin dating or are in a relationship with. Make a note of the things that you say, do, and think, noting in particular the things that are real that are a real departure from who you really are, and that also cause you to feel anxiety, resentment, and even deep pain. Make a note of what uh, you avoid and the boundaries that you suddenly forget. This is your relationship character. Six, identify your common frustrations, including the things that you consistently complain about. These are all the things you need to be and to do for yourself. If it frustrates you that partners, friends, etc. are always indecisive, examine your indecision. 
Seven, get conscious about your habits. Spend a week or two evaluating your daily routine. How much of your time is spent being truly present and connecting to you and your life? How much of your time is spent feeling pissed off, but then feeling powerless to do anything about it? Number eight, are you overdoing something in your life? For instance, if you're a workaholic, which feelings situ- and situations does work provide an, es- an escape from, from and why? If you have concerns that you're exercising as a means of avoiding your feelings or limiting intimacy with others, acknowledge what is behind this, for instance. What are the origins of this habit? Number nine, take a dating hiatus. Typically recommend, I, the author typically recommends three to six months, although uh, they've also had quite a few people to do a year. If you tend to lose yourself in relationships or you get very tr- triggered by dating, ta- taking a clean break, so no collecting attention online, texting loose connections or exes or sex gives you the space to get into a monogamous, monogamous relationship with you. You'll learn a heck of a lot about yourself during this time, including where you might have been using romantic attention as an escape from uncomfortable feelings. Number 10, delete X's from your phone. If you're genuine, if you're genuine friends with your exes and you're not harboring a fantasy about getting back together while secretly auditioning to get your old job back, knock yourself out. But if all you're doing is holding out hope that one of these people will spontaneously combust into the person you want or that they will come crawling on their hands and knees begging for another chance so that you can tell them to jog on, it's time to cut the ties. Call time on a booty call and friends with, with benefits situation. That's number 11. Rest assured, you won't get cobwebs down there, nor will you die from lack of sex for a while, but you will be available. As long as you're knocking boots with someone else and are on some level hoping that you'll have a pretty woman ending or avoiding intimacy and being genuinely open for a mutual fulfilling relationship, you can't be emotionally available. Number 12 is instigate no contact with toxic exes and any ex who triggers you into being less than your authentic self. Worrying about the feelings of someone who does not treat you without love, care, trust, and respect is overfeeling, which ironically is you being available to your feelings. Number 13, own your own and let others own theirs. Instead of taking responsibility for other people's feelings and behavior, and then trying to please them into feeling and acting a different way so that you feel better about what's going on or that you're putting up with, take responsibility for your own feelings and behavior so that you are in a position to do something. How does that work? Bob wants you to do something that you already know that you don't want to do, but you consider saying no. You worry about hurting his feelings or him being angry. Going ahead and saying yes will mean ignoring your feelings and ignoring reality. It's okay for Bob to receive no and even for him to be uncomfortable with it. And it's also up to him to manage his feelings about it. 14. Are you afraid of losing independence or being too independent? If it's the former, being more emotionally available will be about allowing yourself to be vulnerable enough to be interdependent. So being able to let people in and retain your sense of self. Committing to identify the baggage behind your pattern is about acknowledging which experiences from early in life, earlier in life taught you to fear losing independence or to fear abandonment. Number 15, buy a book or several on the subject and make sure you read them. 
Answer the questions posed, especially the ones that you're tempted to skip or you poo-poo as unnecessary or too easy. So suggestions are to try the author's Mr. Unavailable and the Fallback Girl or try The Journey from Abandonment to Healing by Susan Anderson, which quite a lot of readers and students recommend. Number 16, identify what dating and relationships. So going on, um, going online, being in a relationship, or even the drama that unfolds during or after is distracting you from. 17, who have you felt pissed off, resentful about, disappointed and hurt by for longer than a few weeks? Write a list. Anything that either still feels pretty intense right now or it's lasted for more than a year is, is a direct block to being emotionally available. Everyone has emotional baggage, and yes, we're, we are allowed to get angry at people. It's necessary, but, ho- but harboring it and not processing it so that we heal makes us unavailable. We only have so much space. The more anger we have, the less space there is for self-esteem and loving relationships. 18. What do you feel the need to... Protect, your, protect you from happening again. If you made a vow at some point that you would never blank again or that you would always ensure that you blank or whatever it is, this is a wall, not a boundary. A wall says, I'll be, I'll be John Brown if I let any of you mothers give me again, so I'll guard and defend myself against the past happening again. And a boundary says, right, I recognize what happened and I'm allowing myself to grow. I acknowledge my part no matter how teeny tiny it might be and what went down and I recognize the healthy boundary. I need to ensure that I'm not going to open that situation going down in the same way that I did before. At the same time though, I'm open to moving forward with love, care, trust, and respect. 19 is journal. Got a busy ahead? Need to download? Feeling anxious, confused, resentful, worn out, etc. Feeling on a high, joyful, like there are possibilities? Journal then. Be available to your emotions and what is going on in your life. Open up an ongoing dialogue with you instead of being afraid to to know you and what you're feeling. Don't overcomplicate it if you're not knowing where to start. So, number 20. Write to your intuition and ask questions. For example, why do I struggle to open up to someone? Or why don't I feel worthy of being in a relationship with with an available loving partner? Write back to yourself. Answers will come up and it won't feel as if they're coming from your head. If there's anything snarky, mean-spirited, shaming, and trying to force you to have all of the answers to to life until the, the year 2050, that's not your intuition, that's ego including your inner critic trying to stop you from opening up. Make a note of the ego stuff in brackets so that you can know, come to know the difference and are more available to your inner truth. Number 21, note the highlights. This opens up your perspective and range of motions. Noting the good things that have happened brings perspective and gratitude to each day. Having a profound impact on your emotional well-being, it doesn't mean that you're ignoring things that might not have been so good about the day or, or, or how you're feeling, but it, it's about recognizing that days, the days are not complete darkness and suckiness. Number 22, commit to done with an X. Often when I speak to people who are struggling with emotional availability, they have at least one X that they're still hung up on. They might be the biggest jerk 
on the planet in their eyes, but they're stuck on this person having got away with something or feeling that they didn't get the last word or even feeling that this person has their dignity and that they need it back. If this is you, it's time to let it go. Let it go. 23. Cut your hinting in half. Hinting is not only a form of indirect communication, but also passive aggression. Save your hinting for surprises, not for what you want to get across. Hinting is our way of trying to achieve 100% of the job by going by doing what we feel is most of, of the distance. By going what we feel, pardon me, is most of the distance, but it just leads to more resentment, confusion, misinterpretation, criticism, conflict, and delay, to name a few. 24. Got something that you need to say but tempted to bung it in in a text or super long email? Pick up the phone or meet with the person, or at least be honest with yourself about why you're opting to send it by text or email so that you can acknowledge what you're afraid of confronting or have to do. 25. Ask for help. This advice is for the over-responsible folk who often act like superhumans and have believed since childhood that they have to be strong. Asking for help is vulnerability because you're letting yourself be seen and you're letting people in. 26. Don't just say, I'm fine, when close friends, family, etc. Ask how you're doing. That's a dagger in the heart. I'm fine or quickly gloss over. Also, don't just say I'm fine or quickly gloss over your life and then focus on their lives. Show up. (laughs) 27. Quit rehashing. Then telling a story over and over again, it's a distraction. It's a a distraction from something else. Catch yourself next time and be vulnerable enough to entertain the feelings behind it or to talk about something else. Rehashing will not provide us new new insight or make us feel better. So we've got to quit it and take the positive lessons so that we can move forward. 28. Notice other people's emotions without getting lost in them. Or better still, ask them how they're feeling instead of making it up in their head or coming up with a judgment or people-pleasing solution. 29. Practice genuine compassion and empathy. That goes without saying. 30. Make people real and take them off the pedestals that you put them on in your mind. Make people real and take them off the pedestals that you put them on in your mind. Romantic partners, friends, family, colleagues, they're all human. Nobody is an, is an authority over you. And if you genuinely want to be emotionally available, engage with people on, on a level instead of coming from a place of inferiority or superiority. 31. Make your family human, and that includes your parents, who each have a backstory. Engage with your family members based based on them being human, not based upon roles, which again are a block to intimacy. 32. Check up on your motivations. 33. Go on a social media diet. Amen to that. Hallelujah. Are Facebook, etc. a crutch or source of validation and attention? Do you end up feeling bad about yourself? Well, so feeling bad about yourself when you go on there and and yet, oh, they're scrolling through the feed and judging you or others. Catch yourself and turn it around into a less critical thought or minimize your time 
on there so that you can be more present in the real world. 34. Become conscious of inverted narcissism, thinking and behavior. Narcissists have delusions of grandeur about their self-importance. What many of us aren't aware of is that persistently putting us as at the center of other people's thinking and behavior, of blaming us and blaming for ourselves, um, or for fixing it, and using being not good enough as our go-to reason for everything is inverted narcissism. 35. Take your time. Get to know people. It goes without saying. <laughs> Notice intensity. We substitute it for genuine intimacy because we're afraid of showing up and trusting ourselves to do due diligence. The intensity experienced with fast-forwarding and future faking is a sign of trust issues. Okay. 37. Be willing to listen to your gut. 38. Notice and act upon code and code amber and red behavior. Emotionally unavailable people consistently ignore boundary issues because it means having to show up and do something. It means having to feel. They not only ignore their boundaries, but also in ignoring their feelings, end up inadvertently or, in, or intentionally crossing other people's boundaries. Okay. 39. Make a decision about your current relationship. Either commit to showing up or commit to being done. The end. Number 40. Commit to being your primary caregiver instead of looking for parental replacements. Okay. So, commit to your primary caregiver instead of looking for parent parental replacements or trying to get attention from parents or other family members. Owning your responsibility to you brings you into the present and allows you to grow up. Maturity. 41. Do a mental run through. Let yourself imagine the scenario that you're afraid of for 30 seconds or a minute and let the feeling surface. Try to sit there with it and then come back to yourself. Note that the sky hasn't fallen down but also know what it feels like to experience the run-through. Okay. 44. Expand your emotional vocabulary. There's a vast range of emotions. They're all on equal footing as opposed to fear being the biggest and everything else beneath it. Expanding your vocabulary beyond hurt when life fails to live up to your expectations will help you gain emotional clarity so that you can better understand what it is that you need. 43, reduce assumptions by focusing on gathering actual knowledge. Okay. 44, catch your negative self-talk and try to respond positively or at least realistically. You don't have chase negative you don't have to chase negative thoughts and then feed them with even more negativity. Let them pass instead. Or even more importantly, start tr- truly listening to what is running through your mind daily and respond and correct the stuff. Not every thought is a fact. Just because you think that you can't do something doesn't mean that you actually can't. 45. Develop a meditation practice. Headspace teaches you mindfulness in bite-sized 10-minute lessons. Okay? 
46, grieve. If you've never come to terms with a particular loss or any, this is hogging up a lot of your emotional and mental resources, including blocking good feelings, disrupting your sense of self, and exacerbating loneliness and fear. Releasing the emotions and allowing to process them will leave you feeling lighter and open to giving and receiving love, care, trust, and respect. 47. Stop telling people what you think they want to hear or bringing your, your representative or what you want them to hear but don't mean. Instead of giving a knee-jerk agreement about something and then panicking and even trying to figure out how to get out of it, be okay with pausing for a bit, saying, let me get back to you and be okay with the discomfort that might follow. Set a time limit, a blank amount of days or hours, depending on what's appropriate to the situation. 48, last but not least, spend time around emotionally available people. Spend time with people that, that raise you up, that uplift you, that inspire you to stretch yourself, that motivate you, but also who demonstrate authenticity because they live by their values, even though theirs will be different from your, the others. So key notes, you do not need to get rid of all of your emotional baggage. Don't try something once or a few times and deem it useless because you didn't get instant results. Commit to healing the baggage behind the pattern. Becoming emotionally available takes time and experience. Until you've been trying out options for as long as you've been in your old habits, you haven't given it enough time yet. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So you've had quite a bit of lush and loaded information. I hope that you extract, retain, ingest, and you know, practice and apply these things, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to applaud all of my behind the scenes team Bradley members at this juncture for being for all of your unwavering support amid the years coupled with all of you magnifying listeners spanning and speckling the globe just bear in mind that this radio show and movement does rest upon your very broad shoulders until the next episode this is Normia Vasquez Scales signing off